BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome to the Science of Success with your host, Matt Bonner. Welcome to the Science of Success. I'm your host, Matt Bodner. I'm an entrepreneur and investor in Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm obsessed with the mindset of success and the psychology of performance. I've read hundreds of books, conducted countless hours of research and study, and I'm going to take you on a journey into the human mind and what makes peak performers tick, with a focus on always having our discussions rooted in psychological research and scientific fact, not opinion. In this episode, we discuss how our guest went from being wildly unsuccessful sleeping in a used van to into launching a massive brand. We talk about the power of simple gratitude during the toughest challenges of our lives, the transformational superpowers that can change your life, and the massive perspective shift you can gain from two simple words with John Jacobs. The Science of Success continues to grow with more than 600,000 downloads, listeners in over 100 countries, hitting number one new and noteworthy, and more. A lot of listeners are curious about how to organize and remember all this information. I get tons of listener emails and comments asking me, how do I keep track of all the incredible knowledge I get from reading hundreds of books, interviewing amazing experts, listening to podcasts, and much more. Because of that, we've created an awesome resource for you. You can get it completely free by texting the word SMARTER, that's S-M-A-R-T-E-R, to the number 44222. It's a guide we created called How to Organize and Remember Everything. Again, to get it, All you have to do is to text the word SMARTER, S-M-A-R-T-E-R, to the number 44222, or go to scienceofsuccess.co, that's scienceofsuccess.co, and join our email list. Last month, we gave away another Amazon gift card. We have a lucky winner to announce today, Kenneth Rappold of Singapore. Congratulations, Kenneth. In our previous episode, we looked at the single biggest factor that impacts your performance at work the seven major catalysts for creating progress in your life. We dug deep into the data and looked closely at the correlations between mental states and actual performance in terms of creativity, technical skill, productivity, and much more with Dr. Teresa Amabile. If you want to unlock huge progress in your life, listen to that episode. Today, we have another exciting guest on the show, John Jacobs. John is the co-founder and chief creative optimist for Life is Good, as well as the author of Life is Good, the book. 
He and his company have previously been featured on CNN, CNBC, Nightline, Today, The New York Times, The Wall Street Journal, and much more. John, welcome to the Science of Success. Matt, thanks so much for having me, and life is good on. Well, we're very excited to have you on here. So to kind of get started, you know, I'm sure many listeners are familiar with the Life is Good brand, but maybe they don't know your story. I'd love to kind of hear your story, your background, and kind of how you got started. Sure. Let's see. My, my brother, Bert, and I were finishing up college in the early 90s, and we're looking for a way to combine art and business. We always like to draw, to write, to create but weren't really sure what we were going to do for careers. And we saw t-shirts as an accessible way to combine those two things. We had done a little bit of t-shirt design back in, in college. So we designed some shirts. We got out on the streets of Boston. We're from Boston and uh, still live in, in the city of Boston. Love it. And at the time, we were getting out on high foot traffic areas and just hawking shirts in the street to people coming back from work. Anywhere, there was a lot of people, and we didn't find much success early on. Had some fun trying to find the right combination of sayings or art that resonated with people, but I would say we were wildly unsuccessful in that first year, and yet we loved, we still felt like in some ways we were in college mentally, so we said, why don't we buy a used van and start traveling around to college dorms and try selling our shirts in the dorms. So we did that. Thanks to our brother, Ed, we went to an auction. We were able to get a real cheap van. And then we started going up and down the East Coast. And we'd map out these seven-week road trips where we would show up at a different campus every night and have a few duffel bags. And the back of the van was filled with T-shirts and we would just run through the dorms, knocking door to door and asking people if they wanted to buy our shirts. And we, again, we had a lot of fun, but we did not have much financial success. And we were kind of looking for that right combination. We took a lot of notes. We kept journals on the road. So we had an in and an out column for, for money. And we spent virtually nothing other than gas just getting by and We'd sleep on top of the shirts in the back of the van at the end of the night. And we'd go down as far as Virginia, up as far as Maine, and hit every school in the East Coast. And we ended up doing this for the better part of five years, between 90 and 94. And the biggest thing that we learned, because we really hit a point where it was becoming clear we didn't really have a business and we weren't sustainable financially, we started doing some custom work like for landscape companies or softball teams or drawing cartoons for people, anything to make a little bit of money. And we got enough to, to rent a dive apartment outside of Boston. And that would be our home base when we got back from these road trips. Oftentimes we would throw a keg party when we got home for our friends and put up all our art on the walls and ask them for feedback. It was kind of our first focus group before we knew what that term meant. One of the conversations we had that repeatedly on the road was about how the media seemed to inundate people with negative information. And no matter where we went, it seemed like people were talking about the latest disaster or tragedy, fires, murders, disasters. And, you know, those things happen. A lot of bad things happen in the world, but a lot of good things happen, too. And we, we felt like the media wasn't presenting a balance of those things. So we wondered in our long conversations in the van, remember this is before cell phone time, so 
we had a lot of time to talk about anything. And we wondered if we could create something that helped people focus on the good that uh, was kind of a rallying cry for optimists. And that led to this one drawing of this face. He didn't have a name at first, but he just had a big smile, some sunglasses and a beret. And he was sort of a symbol of free thinking. And we may not have had the word yet, but he was a symbol of optimism. And we had one of those parties when we got home from a a long, unsuccessful road trip in 1994. And our friends just kept writing notes around this one drawing. And one woman wrote, this guy's got life figured out. And the next morning when we woke up and we looked at the wall, there was so many comments written either on the wall or little post-its about this one drawing that we said we got to do something with him. And we kind of distilled all the comments down to these three words, life is good. And those three world words really changed our life forever. And the, the very next week we took our, we printed our first life is good shirts, 48 of them. And by the way, Matt, you, I feel uh, imbalanced talking for this long, but you encouraged me to do so. Keep on so, going. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm almost going to breathe. But basically, we, we, we printed our first shirts. There were 48 of them. We took them to a street fair in Cambridge, Mass. And it really changed our life because we had been doing these street fairs and selling in dorms, hawking in the street for five years, but we'd never seen a response like we got that day. The 48 Life is Good shirts were among maybe 15, 20 other designs on the table, but that one pile just disappeared in less than an hour, like all different kinds of people from all different walks of life. We had Harley Davidson guy, we had a skateboarder kid, we had a school teacher, all these people looking around and then picking up that one shirt and buying it from us. And we were stunned. We were out of Life is Good shirts in an hour, and we finally had what we had been looking for. We just really didn't know what to do with it from that point. You know, the, the, the point you made about negativity in the news, I think that's something that's so important. And, and we've had a couple previous episodes on the show where we've talked about that. And something I really believe in is, is just kind of finding a way to sort of tune that out or do something to sort of oppose the fact that when you turn on the TV, it's you know, a robbery, a fire, you know, XYZ people dying, when in reality, there's so much good in the world as well. Right. Right. Actually, there's hard data that supports the idea that we're living in the most peaceful time. You'd never know that by if you turn on the news, but it's a fact. And people are living longer than ever. There's a lot of huge, healthy trends out there. But unfortunately, a lot of the mainstream news media found the formula decades ago that if they scare people, people feel like they have to watch to protect their lives, protect their family. That's a frustrating thing, but we're we're trying to do our small part to help people focus on positives. We really believe that what you focus on grows, and all of us have obstacles and opportunities in our lives every day, and it's really a choice we make in the morning what we're going to focus our energy on. doesn't mean we totally ignore the obstacles or the hardships, any of that. It's just we've learned this lesson in a real deep way from our customers. So I mentioned we didn't know what to do with this successful shirt when we finally had it. We ended up getting basically doing what we did in the dorms, but transferring it to retail. We didn't know how retail worked and how things got into stores, but we just started knocking on retail doors and asking if they'd test life is good. And slowly we got a few small mom and pop shops to do that. They were successful. 
I remember our first account calling for what she called a reorder, and we had never heard that term before after five or six years in business. But eventually we got some momentum. People started spreading the word to other retailers. And, you know, next thing you know, we had 10 accounts, 100 accounts, and, and we had accounts outside of New England and spreading across the country. And we got sales reps and, you know, we're learning the nuts and bolts of the business. But the most impactful and powerful thing that happened was totally unexpected. We Yes, we got letters from people saying, hey, I love your hiking shirt. I love the shirt with uh, this character, Jake, with his dog. I love my dog. I love gardening. I love doing yoga, playing guitar. Those kind of letters we started getting, but we also started getting letters just as many from people going through great adversity, people facing losing loved ones, wrestling with cancer, going through chemo. And they would say things like their hat helped them stay positive during chemotherapy or we all wore Life is Good shirts to the memorial service for my brother, who was who was a very positive person. They were incredibly moving letters and emails. We didn't really know what to do with them as we tried to figure out the business. So we sort of put them in a drawer. It took us a few years to realize all we have to do is share these letters and they can lift people. And we started doing it internally at company-wide meetings. And then... Eventually, we'd post them on our website, and as soon as we shared one story, 10 others would come in and 100 others would come in because we realized they help people feel less alone and more empowered to take on and overcome their own adversity. And again, I said it earlier, but all of us face it, whether it's super dramatic or more day-to-day challenges, but we all need a lift from each other and one person's story, particularly someone who's been through something really difficult, if they're able to focus on gratitude as a foundation and I, wow, I'm so lucky to have one friend to have a sandwich today, to be breathing right now, to go outside, to have a little time with my dog. Like it's incredible. And we found that people that do face great adversity tend to have a deeper reservoir of gratitude and a real rock solid foundation that we can all learn from. So a lot has come out of those letters and really the the direction of our company and the depth of the message have come from listening to our customers. And that sort of set us on a certain path to create a kids foundation and try to help make life good for a lot of kids who are dealing with with some major adversity in their lives. I find it amazing that it's often the people facing the toughest challenges that this message resonates so deeply with. That's right. That's right. I think if someone were to see a shirt or a hat or anything, you know, those are the things we're, we're most known for. But if they could look at it and say, oh, well, that's easy for somebody to say they the, the pictures of hiking or, you know, they might think the name is about sunny days and ice cream and Frisbees. In reality, we found that on the darkest days, that's when optimism is most powerful. And take the most extreme examples that we've encountered since we started the company. Yes, we've had times when the economy has tanked, when we've been at war, but even like 9-11 or more recently, again, we're based in Boston. We had the Boston Marathon bombing in 2013. In both cases, I'll just go back to 9-11 for a moment. We kind of froze for a few days because we, are, we had a really young company. We had a lot of momentum. 
And this thing went down and we didn't know if it was appropriate to be sending out boxes of shirts that said life is good because it didn't really feel that way in the days after 9-11. And then a woman, a quiet woman in our warehouse at a company-wide meeting raised her hand and said, why can't we do a fundraiser to help the victims? And we decided to do that. And it was our first large-scale fundraiser. And it was simply putting the word out to our partners and to our team that 100% of the profits would help the victims. And that shirt just took off so fast. And we ended up raising over $200,000 at the time was, it was a lot for us. And it happened really quickly. And that was a great lesson for us that especially in the bad times, people need a light to gravitate toward. They need something positive to rally around. And that led to us creating Life is Good festivals, which were events usually around some quirky theme, like let's break the world record for most lit jack-o'-lanterns in one place one time, or let's, let's find the world's greatest backyard athlete. Usually kind of a light, fun theme to get people outdoors together, but there was always a serious underlying cause. Hey, there's people out there that don't find it so easy to see the glass half full, to live their lives wide open and embrace newness because they're dealing with poverty, violence, illness. And there's, there's a lot of kids that are dealing with that every day of their lives. So it was a huge lesson for us to learn. And then just to close that loop on the Boston marathon, we had a similar experience where we, we were, our, our offices at the, at the time were two blocks from the finish line. So we had a, a lot of our team out there cheering on the, the runners when the bombs went off, we had a teammate severely injured, like shrapnel head to toe. We, we literally didn't know if he was going to live to the next day. And yet when we visited him the next day in the hospital, the first thing he said was, I'm grateful. And he had seen people killed. He had seen people a lot worse off than him. Most of his wounds healed over time. And we were focused on making sure our team was healthy and we had counselors in talking to people. And meanwhile, our customers were saying, hey, guys, it's time for another fundraiser shirt. You know, can you do one? And we were we just spent a few days focused on our team internally. And then we said they're absolutely right. You know, so we made a shirt that the prevalent saying in our city, which is a tough old city, is Boston strong, which is a good saying about resilience. But we felt we were witnessing something more than that. We watched First of all, EMTs jumping in in the middle of the chaos to save people, to help people. And then you broaden the lens a little bit. You saw runners running an extra mile to give blood. You saw people lending their cell phones, opening up their homes to strangers. You heard about doctors working 50-hour shifts of surgery to help the victims. It was like one act of whatever you want to call it, hatred or confusion, from two people, and that was what the news kept focusing on. They wanted to keep showing the bomb going off and the victims, and we're saying there's something much bigger happening here, and all this love poured in from around Boston and then well beyond Boston, around the world, helping. It was compassion coming in from everywhere, and the shirt we ended up making simply said Boston on the front with a little heart in one of the O's. On the back, it said there's nothing stronger than love. And that shirt, we put it on our website. We said, we told people 100% of the profits will go to the Boston One Fund for the victims and their families. 
And that shirt in the, in the, in a matter of five or six weeks sold more than we ever sold of any shirt. And we ended up raising over half a million dollars for the one fund. And for us, we, yeah, we were proud of how resilient our city was and how quickly we got back to being who we are and trying to move on from this terrible incident. But we were even more proud of the world's choice to focus not on the hate, but on the love that they witnessed in the aftermath of the, of the marathon bombing. That's an incredible story. And it's inspiring that, you know, you, you have sort of this one act of, of hatred and violence, and it created almost a wave of love uh, from so many different people. That's right. So kind of in the same vein as that, what is the sort of driving purpose of Life is Good? Well, our mission is to spread the power of optimism. And we really have learned first, we'd have to give credit to our mom, Joan Jacobs. She was the number one inspiration for our brand. And we grew up in a chaotic little house with eight people. My brother Bert and I are the youngest siblings. And we were lucky in a lot of ways because we're a tight family, but we definitely dealt with some adversity and some strain. And a big part of that was our, our dad, who was an avid outdoorsman, very hands-on guy that, that worked in a machine shop. And our mom was more uh, running the circus at home, overseeing the six kids and doing all the, the stuff that a lot of moms did in the, the 60s and 70s and just running the household. And they both were in a very serious car accident when Bert and I were in grade school. And fortunately, our mom had a seatbelt on and she just broke her shoulder and she healed. Our dad wasn't as lucky and he lost the use of his right arm. That new disability for him, his physical limitations, combined with the financial pressure of trying to feed a family of eight, it really led to frustration every day and a lot of yelling in the house and it made for a really tense atmosphere at home and yet when we look back we think of our mom who was always singing telling jokes uh, telling stories laughing and uh one thing she would do at the dinner table that really helped us a lot in retrospect she'd look around at each kid and say tell me something good that happened today and as simple as that sounds it changed the energy in the house and instead of complaining about anything a kid might complain about, assignment, a teacher, a peer, instead we were finding some absurd or positive or, or fun, funny nugget from the day, just sharing that one thing. And it created momentum in the dining room and in the house. And it, like I said, it changed the energy in the house. And we didn't probably realize it until we were in our 20s, but that was a conscious decision she was making every day to not get pulled into some of the heavier stuff that was happening in our house and uh, focus her energy on the good. So that was, you know, that helped us give us a bit of a foundation. And then the big, the real big one was getting these letters and emails from people that really underscored this notion that even when you're facing the hardest adversity, there is a way to consciously shift your mind toward the positives and to kind of grow that good in your life instead of getting consumed by the negative. And we all know people that are able to do both of those things and meaning, well, you know what I mean? So it really led to a foundational philosophy for our company that all of us 
have a choice when we wake up in the morning to focus, as I said earlier, on obstacles or opportunities. And we just believe that a lot more good comes out of focusing most of our energy on the opportunities and growing those. And we've seen it come to fruition in our own lives. And even more compelling is the the stories we've received that prove that even in if you're in the worst possible situation, this kind of philosophy gives you a much better chance to get through it and to prosper and to be happy and fulfilled in your life. And I think this is a great opportunity to dig into some of the lessons from Life is Good, the book. I know the the book talks about sort of 10 superpowers that anybody can tap into with optimism, obviously being one of the biggest and most important. Tell me a little bit more about that. Sure. Well, we believe that the 10 superpowers really came about over time. We kept picking up these recurring messages from our customers about what's most important to them. And it ended up being what most companies might call their 10 core values. But we think superpowers is a lot more fun to say. And we feel like we feel like Unlike bullet speed or Herculean strength or or x-ray vision, these are superpowers accessible to all of us. And optimism really enables us as human beings to access these superpowers on a daily basis. These are things like authenticity, creativity, gratitude, love, humor. All of these things, when combined, lead us to living a more happy and fulfilling life. And so the book we ended up devoting one chapter each to a superpower and found a way to weave the stories of our customers as well as our own story, as well as a lot of fun, like asides, top 10 lists and quotes, a lot of playful imagery and uh, some of our best graphics and photos. It's all combined in there, but the, the real heart of the book is these 10 superpowers and really how individuals can bring them to life and sort of tap their power in their everyday life. And so each chapter ends with tips for how to access these powers and how to bring them to life on a daily basis. So it it started by request from our publisher, National Geographic. The request was, can we do a business book? And uh, the more we talked about it, we, we weren't as excited about that because we feel like a lot of businesses start in the garage or basement and yeah, our origin story is fun, but we wanted to go a lot deeper. And as soon as we started talking about the superpowers, we knew this is what the basis of the book should be. And this is something that we feel like is the most powerful thing we've come across. And we want to share it with as many people as possible. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, 
The learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hiring the right person takes time, time that you often don't have. But you shouldn't let a time crunch get in the way of finding the right candidates for your business. That's why LinkedIn is the best place to post your job. In fact, I was on LinkedIn Jobs this morning looking for candidates to fill a key role in one of my businesses. LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates with hard and soft skills you're looking for so that you can hire the right person quickly. You can look for things like collaboration, creativity, and adaptability, looking beyond just work skills and resumes to connect you with the candidates who are a perfect match for your business. That's how LinkedIn makes sure that your job post gets in front of the people you actually want to hire because they have a much better ability to get a deep insight into exactly who is the right candidate for you and your business. Find the right person meant for your business today with LinkedIn Jobs. You can pay what you want and the first $50 is on them. Just visit linkedin.com slash success. Again, that's linkedin.com slash success to get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. So for somebody that struggles to have an optimistic outlook and, you know, for example, I mean, I feel like personally, I'm kind of a naturally sort of a pessimistic person. What do you think that, uh, what are some tips or strategies to sort of shift your perspective? I think it's, I think gratitude can play a huge part and starting with, and some people do gratitude journals. Some people try to weave it in before meals or one special meal a day or, and I think those are two very tangible ways. One huge one that we've learned from our customers is this phrase, get to. And it came in the form of one letter, but it really represents the mindset of a lot of these letters and emails we've received. It really is the notion that, let me give you an example, like at work, at Life is Good, we try as best we can not to say have to. We have to go to a meeting, have to work late have to work on this assignment. We get to do these things because we have jobs and you can apply it to any part of your life. You can say to yourself, I have to go grocery shopping or I get to go grocery shopping because I live in a land of abundance that has grocery stores and accessible food. I have to pay the bills or I get to pay the bills because I have a roof over my head. It's so simple, but it's one word that can shift us from a common. And then when I say us, Myself included, all of us can fall into a moments where we feel like we're burdened, where we're almost martyrs for fulfilling the responsibilities we have, whether it's work responsibilities or family or friends that we have to do these things. We get to do these things because, first of all, we're breathing, we're alive. Let's seize that opportunity while we're here. Life is relatively short. Let's remind ourselves that we have a limited time and are we going to choose to bring positive energy to the day because the results tend to be better when we do, but this get to phrase has been super powerful and it's just a, a tool that, that is timeless. If you put it in that frame, anytime you're wrestling with something or it feels like a big burden, 
it's like, well, actually a lot of people don't have access to a grocery store. A lot of people aren't paying bills because they don't have any income. And that's the most basic things that we start to take for granted. When we find ourselves complaining about things like the weather or traffic, it kind of, it's kind of absurd when you, when you compare it to what a lot of people in other parts of the globe are dealing with on a daily basis of so severe hunger, poverty, violence. And yet sometimes we just need a reset button and that can come in the form of the phrase get to. I love that phrase and that idea. It's, it's so simple, but it creates this incredible perspective shift. Yep. We love simple phrases, maybe because we're not capable of anything beyond that, but, but they're very, uh, yes. And is another one we love and it comes from improv comedy. I don't know if you're familiar with that one, but the, with the principal law rule of, of improv is that you don't negate the offering of another actor who's on stage because it tends to kill a, uh, a scene. So in order to keep some momentum, whatever your teammate says, you, you roll with that and you build on it, you augment it. And we found in brainstorming and in doing our best to be creative and finding new ways to spread the power of optimism with new phrases, with new images. Yes, and is a great tool to let ideas breathe a little bit for a minute or two before you get to the stage of a meeting where you're editing out and you're narrowing and you're cutting ideas. You can really benefit from having a more wide open approach and it, it's a, applicable to life as well whether it's with a spouse or a friend or just having conversations that are more yes and and building on someone's idea instead of that i think it's unfortunately kind of hardwired in a lot of maybe all of us human beings the fight or flight thing or first thinking about why something won't work or why it could be a threat and the news again helps build this into people too. But if you can release that, try to take on that openness of a five or six year old, a healthy five or six year old who just is open to ideas that says yes to things that, that wants to explore. That's a difficult thing for people to retain when we get older. And yet it's super powerful when it comes to being creative and to building instead of knocking. And that's Another favorite simple phrase is don't knock it, build it. And if I could tie it back, and, and I am so grateful that you're giving us a forum here today to talk about what we believe more than anything right now. I think there is a lot of positive media out there, a lot of positive podcasts, and then there's a lot of shows that just give people a place to vent and talk about what's wrong. I think people that spend a lot of energy talking about what's wrong without transitioning to solutions tend to hurt people's desire or drive to progress, to grow, to try new things. So the I think it's so healthy that when when people are listening to more and more of this content that and I don't mean my content, but but what you feature on your show and other podcasts or let's say storytelling hour things that stories that actually can lift people we've translated in the last year or two a lot of the greatest letters we've received to stories in video form and that was incredibly exciting when the, when the book came out our book it gave us a reason to 
get out on the road and, and connect with customers to raise over a million dollars for our kids foundation with various events over around the country. But the most impactful thing we did on that trip, we went coast to coast for 60 days, visiting 40 communities. And the most impactful thing was visiting the people that had written the most inspiring letters. Some of them we had never met in person. And I didn't know if their stories could be better than they were in letter form, but there's a few that just people we've got an incredible response to a couple boys named Alex and Nick, twin brothers that were born a pound and as they said had a lot of growing to do. And they they have one of the kids has one leg, the other kid is legally blind, and they wrote a letter when they're ten years old, and it's all about how lucky they are and it it's just very moving and very eloquent for a ten year old to write. And we share that video as much as we can. There's another young woman who's now 27. She wrote to us when she was 11. She was dealing with a prognosis that was, she had bone cancer. And it looked like she wasn't going to live another another two years. And yet she is alive today. But more impressively, when she was 11 and dealing with that prognosis, she was always cheering people up, anyone who interviewed her. And we, she was brought to our attention because she was always wearing Life is Good hat. And literally someone on a radio interview asked about the hat. Do you understand your prognosis? And she said, you know, I think I tended to take things for granted. And ever since I heard what's happening with my body, I don't. I, I really realize how lucky I am and I'm trying to like savor every day. It was incredible wisdom from an 11 year old. And those examples are what fuel our company and just make us want to spread this message as widely as we can and have people share more and more stories because that seems to be the thing more than anything else that that lifts people and helps people through adversity. So for listeners who want to check that out, where can they find some of these videos? That's at lifeisgood.com and there's a button called discover and that will bring you to a really fun section of our site that features a lot of these inspiring, uplifting stories. And we'll make sure to, uh, to include those in the show notes as well. One other thing I wanted to touch on, you have a, a phrase, life is not easy. Life is not perfect. Life is good. I'd love to just hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. Again, if someone was just introduced to our company and just saw the words life is good, some might understand the depth of those three words. Some might just say it's oh, it's just sort of Pollyannish. And yet the depth of our brand came from people like our mom and then these stories from people like Alex and Nick and Lindsay that, that I just mentioned. And it really taught us. And that phrase is getting more popular on our product because it does acknowledge. And we've always tried to acknowledge the darkness in the world, the adversity in the world, the strain that is inevitable in every person's life at one time or another. But that phrase sums it up nicely. And it doesn't mean when we say life is good, it doesn't mean everything is ice cream and frisbees. It's it's a matter of mindset and choice. Okay, I acknowledge that there's going to be really difficult times in my life. And it's going to be incredibly imperfect, just like I am as a person. Whoever says that, anyone has to look in the mirror and say, I've got so many imperfections. Uh, my life has been a quite a mix of highs and lows, 
I'm going through either a good stretch right now or a really difficult stretch. But if you step back and look at the whole picture, life is good. And to us, that means if you choose to focus on the good, that's what will grow. So acknowledge the painful points. Maybe you're right in the middle of one right now. And you say, this at some point is going to get better. I need to lean on some friends right now. I need to take care of myself. I need to eat, exercise. I need to talk to friends who understand what I'm going through. Maybe I need to see a professional about it. Maybe I just need to recognize this is a window of time where I have a physical ailment or I'm not in a job that I love. It's It could be any of those things, but it's really a mindset that says in the scheme of things, when you look at the whole picture, life itself and my life as a person is going to be good. And therefore, that's going to give me a little more resilience and a little more fire to, to try to drive through this difficult stretch. And that's what that phrase is all about. It's, it's acknowledging the hard parts and for your neighbor as well as yourself and saying together, we can make life good. So what is one piece of homework that you would give to somebody listening to this episode? Let's see. I'm, I'm ranging through the superpowers in my head. And I would say two things. When you get home, if you live with anyone or if you get to work, if you work with any others, try devoting the first five minutes to a real human connection with that person. Whether you're getting home to kids, bring some levity, some humor, some fun, whether it's a fun story from your day or just imitating some bizarre character, sharing a funny movie quote you love, or the, the point is a lot of us go from task to task, whether it's at work, at home, and we start to form these checklists and that, that's what dominates our minds. And if we take just a few minutes to connect with people, all the other stuff gets a lot easier. Um, when If you have to get through a bit of a laundry list or a, a plan for the weekend or what does the week ahead look like with your team at work or with your family at home or with friends, just spending those moments. That's why fun and humor are both superpowers in the life is good world because we found it opens doors. It relaxes people. It unites people. It makes them feel less like robots. And so just taking that, those five minutes, it makes everything run a lot smoother. And the other tip or homework I would say is we really believe in trying when you, when you try something new or a little bit outside your comfort zone, you either succeed or you learn There's, If you take failure off the table, like, Oh no, I don't want to do that because I, I might not be good at it. I might, you inevitably grow and you grow as a person and you feel better that you've kind of stretched beyond that comfort zone. And there's a chapter we have about courage where it says rejection, you can, you can imagine rejection as your best teacher or think of it as your best teacher, as your best trainer. That's actually what makes you stronger is, and, and that for my brother and I, that biggest period of that was probably the dorms for five years. And we just heard no, and sometimes a polite no, sometimes a very rude no. But when we were trying to sell our shirts in the dorms, so many times, thousands of times a week, 
that we realized it didn't hurt us at all. And we just took notes. Why didn't they like our shirt? And ever since then, I feel like that's been a nice little reference point for us. No matter what stage of the company or stage of our life we're going through, it's like, we'll shake it off and grow from it. And that's part of the magic of this life is exploring new territory and trying new things. And it's also what keeps relationships, friendships, et cetera, fresh is being willing to try new things, either together or new hobbies on your own. And so I would encourage listeners to think about is, is there a hobby, whether it's guitar or writing or knitting, or have you always ever wanted to make a little short movie or is it work? Is there some project in the garage or is there a something you've always thought about doing if quote if you had the time we really believe in in not just finding the time to do things that are maybe seem frivolous or very secondary like something related to your personal passion or your hobby something that's you might put in the quote fun category and therefore you're only going to do it on saturday night or that that's a big thing we talk about in the fun chapters like fun is not some dessert you might get to at the end of your week it's part of the main course and if you actually weave it in you consciously say in order to be healthy and to kind of refresh my own sense of optimism playfulness i need to look at my calendar and say yeah i'm going to make time for my cooking my craft brewing my uh writing drawing my playing cards with my friends my playing guitar that stuff is a huge replenisher, and that's a big part of what our Kids Foundation actually does is we work with child care providers. There's a lot of burnout in positions like teacher, counselor. They're doing such noble work, but if they don't take care of themselves, they can't teach what they don't. They can't give what they don't have. They can't give joy. They can't give curiosity, optimism, playfulness if they don't have those things themselves. So there's a long answer, but... I think the most important thing is looking out for your own health. And that part of that is not just nutrition and exercise. It's laughter. It's fun. And whatever brings you that sense of joy, make sure you schedule it into your weekly schedule so that time isn't going by and you're falling into this trap of have to, I have to, I have to check this list off every week. Instead, First of all, I get to do these things, even the most mundane things. It's helpful to look through that lens. And then where did I carve out time to do things that just sort of feed your soul, that make you feel more you and make you feel joyful? That stuff is crucial to your own happiness and fulfillment. And I don't think it's just an American thing. Our, our ambition sometimes pushes us to a, a level where it's all about productivity we found in our business that if people are having fun at work, cracking jokes with each other, throwing the ball around, throwing the Frisbee around, it actually makes us not just happier, but more productive because we, our brains are more alert. We're uh, enjoying our time at work and it's applicable to all of our lives. And so I've said it already at least twice, but the homework to me would be think about what brings you joy, even if you haven't done it in 10 years and say, how do I weave that back? into my life. I'll give you a personal example. I, I have always liked 
love movies, always want to make movies, don't really know how to make movies. But a friend of mine with a similar mindset many, many years ago, we're talking about it. And we said, well, let's just create some forum. And we created this film festival and asked our friends to make a movie eight minutes or less. And the movies were pretty bad quality the first year, but there's probably two or three gems in there. And we do it every two years. And the quality has slowly increased. But more importantly, we have a deadline. We have a supportive network of friends who want to do something creative. And we're doing it. It's, it's uh, over 10 years running. And that might be for you like uh, getting together to play music every month with a friend or two or knitting or gardening or whatever that thing is that brings you joy. Make sure it's not an afterthought that's that's put away for someday, but you actually say to yourself, this is important to my happiness, and I'm going to actually schedule it on my calendar. I'll leave it, leave it at that, Matt. Well, that's an incredible piece of advice. And you touched on this once already, but tell us again, where can people find you online? We're at lifeisgood.com, and there is a lot of fun content on there as well as product that we're really proud of. And I would encourage all listeners who sought out your podcast to go to the discover section because there is a really treasure trove of inspiring videos and content that can pick you up and a place to go back to whenever you need a lift. And that's really what we're trying to build with our website is a hub of optimism where people can come to be lifted and inspired and a community can share stories with each other to keep each other up and um and optimistic well john this has been a, a fascinating interview and uh, incredibly inspirational story and and obviously your company life is good is is so inspirational as well i just wanted to say thank you very much for uh being on the show matt we're so grateful life is good is and i am individually um, thanks so much for carving out time for us and i hope anything i share will be helpful to your listeners and you thank you Thank you so much for listening to The Science of Success. Listeners like you are why we do this podcast. The emails and stories we receive from listeners around the globe bring us joy and fuel our mission to unleash human potential. I love hearing from listeners. If you want to reach out, share your story, or just say hi, shoot me an email. My email is matt at scienceofsuccess.co. That's M-A-T-T at scienceofsuccess.co. I would love to hear from you, and I read and respond to every listener email. The greatest compliment you can give us is a referral to a friend, either live or online. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us an awesome review and subscribe on iTunes. That helps more and more people discover the science of success. And lastly, I get a ton of listeners asking me, Matt, how do you organize and remember all of this information? Because of that, we created an amazing free guide for all of our listeners. You can get it by texting the word SMARTER, that's S-M-A-R-T-E-R, to the number 44222, or by going to scienceofsuccess.co, that's scienceofsuccess.co, and joining our email list. Thanks again, and we'll see you on the next episode of The Science of Success.